All right. This is part two. As I mentioned, Will Gordon and I recorded on May 13th. We talked about the basketball stuff on part one. Again, we were talking before the Celtics extended the series and then ultimately won on game seven. Uh, we were talking before Phoenix lost to game seven. So obviously some of the things you heard in part one may have been right, may have been wrong. Who knows? You got to listen to part one if you don't know by now. But this is part two where we focus more on the NFL. We talked about the NFL's uh, schedule release as well as a look back at the 2013 NFL draft. Why 2013, you may ask? Because that was the last time that only one quarterback went in the first round. And ironically, as we went through different picks, different team selections, different rounds, we didn't go pick by pick. We would have just been there all night. But as we went through some of them, some of the notable names that slipped, some of the gems that were found in the second and third round, we noticed that there was a lot of similarities to this year's draft in terms of positional um, selections and where they went. Um, a run on wide receivers, a run on quarterbacks late in the third round after, again, only one quarterback goes in the first round. So some similarities, and we, we talked about that. So you guys are going to enjoy that. On this episode, um, again, that's this is part two, but I also wanted to give a quick prediction for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference playoffs because by the time Will and I get together, these series will be fully underway. The East will already have had two games in by the time we speak. So that conversation may be different than what some of our text threads have been. But I want to say this, kudos to the Boston Celtics, because I said that they would win the series. I thought they were the better team. I thought Milwaukee would at some point miss Chris Middleton. But I thought, I also thought when Milwaukee won game five, they stole that in Boston. I thought Boston was done. I just felt like at that point, they had exerted so much energy. They had an opportunity to take control of the series and the Bobby Porter's rebound I thought was such a deflating moment for that team I didn't know how they were going to respond so I tipped my hat to them even though I had picked them to win the series I didn't think it would be in that fashion game seven was a prime example of what I feared all along was that at some point you're gonna miss Chris Middleton and when you look at how bad Grayson Allen Pat Connaughton um who's the other oh George Hill Wes Matthews how bad those guys shot you see Giannis needed another guy. He needed someone else he could rely on in that moment. He didn't have it. On the flip side, Boston not only got the contributions from Tatum, but Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart, you know, they 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 got everyone involved. And that's why you do want a game seven at home because the role players tend to play better at home. But I, again, I tip my hat to them. Boston showed a level of grit that I had not seen in them. It was one of the knocks I had against Brad Stevens. I always said he was a great X's and O's guy. I didn't know if he could be a motivator for this team. Because you got to remember, this team had been to multiple conference finals with Brad Stevens, and they just never seemed to get over the hump with it. And a couple years ago, when they lost to Miami, who now they're playing in a rematch, Miami, to me, just outwilled them in that series. It wasn't about skill, because I thought Boston was the better team. It was more about will. It was Miami wanted it a little bit more. This series is going to be very interesting. And I'll give my prediction in a second. I'll leave it, I'll leave it there. This series is going to be very, very interesting from a coaching standpoint and from a personnel standpoint. On the other side, too, we got to talk about the Dallas Mavericks, and we got to tip our hat. Um, one of the things I'm going to talk to Will about later in this week, we got to obviously get into that Pat Beverly comment about CP3 and players not being scared of him. But I want to take it to the other side. I want to talk about guys that you are scared to play. And I think Luka's on that short list of guys you do not want to play in a series. When you look at what Luka has done three years in the playoffs, going toe-to-toe with Kawhi and Paul George twice, 
now beating the Suns. Um, Luka, to me, is one of those guys that can shift a series. And there's only, you know, realistically, that's a short list in itself. That's a, you know, we always love to talk about the top five players of all time. There may only be, you know, 10 to 12 guys all time that can really alter a a series. There's some great players. But I'm talking about guys who put the fear of God in you in the series to the point where it's like this guy might single-handedly win this series. And that's a list that Will and I are going to get into. But Luca's on that short list for me. I just think watching him go toe-to-toe, the cynical smile to the Suns, the trash talk. Luca's second best player is Jalen Brunson. Like, let, let's let's keep it all the way a buck. You know, yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie played well. You know, yeah, Brunson had some good games. But this team lived and died with what Luca did. You know, when he got some help, they were able to run Phoenix off the court like they did in the last two games. When they didn't get help, Luca still did his thing, but they struggled. And I just think watching him go toe-to-toe with the team that had the best record in the NBA, the, the defending Western Conference champs, and all this praise we have given Phoenix, and I think it, it's, it's earned. They went to the finals last year. They had an opportunity to win. They didn't. But my point being, for Luca to stand there and be down 3-2 and then make the comment he made that everybody talks tough when they're winning, and, and the trash talk he continued to talk and then back it up, I think Luca is on that short list of guys you don't want to see in a series. I think you guys are going to like when Will Gordon and I get into that topic as well. So my predictions. Again, we got Dallas, Golden State in the West. We've got Boston and Miami in the East. I'll start with the East. I'm going with the Boston Celtics. But I think this is another seven-game series. Coaching matters. Eric Spolster is one of the best. He will find ways to attack this very good Boston defense. I also wonder how Udoka will counter some of the lineups for Miami, because Miami does like to go very small. Unlike Milwaukee, who preferred to stay big, and, and they they didn't do it as much in the second round as they did in the first, but at times they love to keep Portis and Giannis on the court together, and sometimes Portis, Giannis, and Brooke are all on the court together. Miami's the opposite. Miami is going to play small, no matter what. I mean, P.J. Tucker's an undersized four, sometimes a five on their team. They're going to stay small. They're going to try to keep the shooters out there. I don't know how that works against this Boston team because I think that kind of plays into Boston's hands. And that's why I'm interested to see what the lineups are going to be. Will Duncan Robinson play a little bit more in this series? I think he has to play a little bit more in this series because this is a really good defense. And you're going to have to stretch out this defense to create enough space. Also, what happens with Kyle Lowry? I'm on record as saying that I think the 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 less the less minutes he plays, the better for the for the Miami Heat at this point. And that's not taking anything from Kyle Lowry. We know the resume. He's a great ball player. Borderline first ballot. I don't think he gets into the hall on first ballot, but he probably will get into the hall at some point because damn near everybody gets in. But he's hampered right now. And he's not giving you enough offensively. He's struggling to stay in front of guys defensively. And the Boston Celtics are going to seek him out. They're going to put him in pick and rolls and seek him out no different than what they were doing to George Hill and Grayson Allen in the previous series. So... If he's on the floor, how many minutes is he really on the floor for? That, that'll be an interesting uh, situation. I think Oladipo's got to play big for them in this series. They need another guy on the perimeter. Tyler Hero's hit or miss. Jimmy Butler has been playoff Jimmy, but they need that third guard, I think. And Duncan Robinson, I think, is going to play a little bit more. Strauss, I give him all the credit in the world, but he's going to have to show it again in this round. He's going to have to show it against a team that I think wants to be there a little bit more than Philly wanted to be there last last series. On Boston's side, 
do they stay with the shorter rotation? I've, I've highlighted it before that uh, Ime said, hey, look, we're going with our guys. They, at some points, only went to a seven-man rotation, and they really didn't even include an eighth guy. I think this time they might still keep it to that seven, eight-man rotation, but who is their other guard? Is it Peyton Pritchard? Is it Derek White? Derek White is a, is a better defender, but he's also been hit or miss. They're they going to need a guard off their bench who can pick them up a little bit, especially if Jalen Brown is off and on, which, which he has been. I'm picking Boston. I think it's going seven, and I think Boston wins it in Miami. That's my prediction right now, but it's going to be a great series. On the West, I've got Golden State. And I love Luka. Again, Luka is a guy who can alter a series. But Golden State got some guys that can alter a series too. We've seen Clay do it in the past. We know we know about Steph. And they're very tough to beat. Very, very tough to beat. And you're not going to get the type of outings from Steph that you got from Chris Paul in the last round. You're not going to get the one for sevens with two points going into the fourth quarter. You're, you're not going to get that. Uh, Jordan Poole coming off the bench gives him another uh, weapon that you got to worry about. I think one of the things that happened with Phoenix is Phoenix was too small, pause, and Luka just exploited every matchup. With Golden State, is different. Even though Golden State plays a small lineup, they've got some bodies to throw at Luka. They're going to make it a little more difficult for him. And on the flip side, they're going to attack Jalen Brunson. They're going to attack Spencer Dinwiddie with their guard play, which is something Phoenix was not able to do. I like Golden State. I like them in six. But again, the respect for Luka is such I said this even in the last series when Will and I were going back and forth where I said, I respect Luka enough to possibly win two games in a series. I think he at least wins two games in this series. If Dallas finds a way to steal one of those first two games, and that could be the key, find a way to win one of those first two games because I don't think Clay or Steph have really hit their stride. They had their moments in the Memphis series, but they weren't hot together. They didn't hit their stride together. Find a way to win one of those games in Golden State, and you really give yourself a shot. Otherwise, I think it's six. So there you have it. I got Golden State and Boston moving on. Um, again, look out for the podcast this week. Uh, Will Gordon, the opinionated ones, that'll be dropping on Saturday. Oh, also, man, I told you guys too. Um, we just saw the rematch of Charlo Castaño. Great fight. Early candidate for fight of the year. I don't think it has been the best fight we've seen, but it's it's in it's in a discussion. Great fight. I think we might even get a trilogy out of it. Ugh, I got tongue-tied there even just thinking about it. We might get a trilogy out of it. Uh, it's be interesting to see what Charlo does at 154. We know Errol Spence has flirted with the idea of going up to 154 if he does not get the fight with Spence. I don't think he would fight Charlo right out of the gate. That might be something he's got to prepare for and get used to the weight. As, as I've always talked about, you got to get acclimated with that weight before you go up there and try to fight a guy who's naturally that size and has been fighting at that weight most of his career. But will Charlo take on the third fight? Will he try to wait and see if maybe one of those welterweights want to come up? Nonetheless, Charlo has been amazing. I love the fight. I love the adjustments he made. I thought in the first fight, he was a little too passive and he was, he was too eager to counterpunch as opposed to be the aggressor. This fight was the opposite. He was the aggressor. He moved around the ring great. He stayed off the ropes. And then more importantly, I thought this fight was an even fight through six rounds, right? Shout out to Steve Farhood, Showtime Boxing. I thought he did an amazing job with the card, but it was an even fight through six, in my opinion. And then Charlo really stepped on the gas and applied a lot of pressure, obviously leading up to the two knockdowns and attempt. I think Charlo was amazing in this fight. 
kudos to him, hats off to him, but I'm interested to see what he does next. Could it be Spence? Could it be another welterweight that wants to move up? We got to wait and see. Also, speaking of welterweights, uh, Boots Ennis was very impressive. And again, Spence and Bud Crawford are the cream of the crop at welterweight. Those guys are trying to figure it out with each other, so they're not paying attention to Boots. But one of you other guys, and I'm specifically talking to Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman is a big talker in the welterweight division. Go ahead and fight Boots, Keith. And that's not to say Keith can't beat him. I just want to see Keith do it. Because Keith said himself after his last fight that he's back and guys don't want to face him. So guess what? Go face Boots, who I think is the most feared man in the division right now. And let's see what happens, man. With that being said, again, shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. As I always tell you guys, I'm here for any and all sports conversations. Send over your questions, your comments, a topic you want to hear discussed. Send it over, man. I'll get into it. Uh, If you want to join the show, you're more than welcome to. And as you know, every Friday we record the opinionated one. So if you want to be a part of that, come on, man. We invite you. We, we want all the smoke, for real, for real. But if you're not ready for that type of pressure and you just want to send in a question or comment, I appreciate that as well, man. I appreciate all you guys who've been tuning into the show. I see all the love. I see all the support. But let's get into the opinionated ones. It's time. All right, so this is the part two, as we mentioned to you guys. This is NFL talk. We wanted to get all the NBA talk out of the way before the game started, which Milwaukee and and Boston are underway now. Part two, though, NFL talk. First things first, Will. Let's get into the NFL schedule before we look back at the 2013 draft. A lot of good games. Right out the gate, we also get Christmas Day games this year. Um, Obviously, the AFC West is is a division everyone's talking about because of all the quarterbacks that went over there. You guys, there was actually another quarterback move in the division. I don't know how it's going to affect the Chargers, but I saw the Raiders went and got Jared Stidham. I don't know what type (laughs) of impact that's going to have. But uh, ultimately, um, we know the Rams have the toughest schedule in the league. I believe they got 12 opponents that were at least 500 or better last year. What are some of the games that stick out to you so far, just at, at a quick glance of the schedule? Um, week two, I got I me mean, selfishly as a Los Angeles Chargers fan, the first Thursday night game of the year, the first of the new broadcast uh, situation with Amazon Prime, you got the Los Angeles Chargers headed to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And like you said, the AFC West is going to be a gauntlet this year. Let me tell you about my charges, man. They start week one at home with the Raiders, which is not going to be a, you know, with that quarterback signing you just mentioned. You know what I'm saying? That's, I'm scared, man. I'm scared about that. Not, not now, you got to wonder if, if, if Carr is safe. I don't know if Carr is safe. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be, that's always a tough game anyway. And Devontae Adams is over there now, so Derwin James and them boys in the secondary are going to have their hands full. Uh, J.C. Jackson, you know, he's going to be on him all day long. But then to, to travel to Arrowhead in four days after that, that's that's kind of tough to start your season up. That's making me, um, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at uh, the opener with the Bucks. Who, who, who the Bucks got? Uh, Bucks got uh, Dallas to start the season. Yeah, Bucks Dallas, Tom Brady, America's America's dream boat against America's team. That's what you know. That's always that's always a must see TV. 
the, the Christmas Day games, all three, we got a slate of three games on Christmas, man. That's unheralded. We haven't seen that before. I'm excited about that. Uh, and then again, patient, uh, selfishly, week five, we got, uh, and I'm expecting, what do you think? You think Deshaun's playing? Deshaun Watson? Uh, for week five, I would assume he might be back. And I'm just using the, the, the punishment that was given originally to member the Big Ben, it was like six games and it got, got down to four. Yeah, they, yeah, they did reduce that. So yeah. Deshaun may be in the same boat. The initial suspension may be a six game, cut down to four. Week five may be his first game back. Okay. Well, if so, that would be perfect because selfishly, again, I don't care. I'm a selfish individual. I will be attending my first Los Angeles Chargers football game when they're um, right at I-77 from me going uh, to visit the Cleveland Browns, and I'm hoping to see Deshaun Watson uh, on the field. So selfishly, that's a great matchup for me, and if, and if Deshaun is playing football and the Browns are what people expect, that'll be a pretty marquee matchup um, in the AFC Browns, Browns Chargers. Uh, I but agree. There's a ton, but it's the NFL, it's so many games, You can, it's, it can be, it, there's a game basically every week that you can point at and say, I can't wait to see this football game. And that's the beauty of the NFL. That's why it's the number one sport. And that's why we can't get enough of it. No, I agree with you. And I was just bringing up the schedule here in the background, but um, week one, right out the gate, it's a lot of great matchups. Obviously we get Russell Wilson returning to Seattle to kick that thing off. Uh, we got the Bills and the Rams, uh, which is a you know which could have been last year's Super Bowl, kicking that off. Um, but I'm really paying attention to the AFC West teams as you mentioned because when you look at some of these schedules for these West teams, if you get off to a 0 and 2, 0 and 3 start, your season might be done already. Yeah. yeah, you know, like like you said, if you if you know if you're the if you're the Chargers, you got to come out. You guys got you said what the Raiders week one. Raiders. You got Raiders week Raiders. one, Chiefs week two. And then you got Chiefs the Jaguars week three. Week two. You got to remember, that's on a Thursday. Right, on a short week. On a short week. Um, but I was even looking at the Broncos schedule. Broncos' first five games, uh, not mention them in order, but they got Seattle. They got the Raiders. They got the Colts. Then they got uh, the Texans. So they have an opportunity as well where either they're going to get up to a hot start or they're going to get up to a very cold start. And they might be out the mix very early. So that's one of the first things I'm paying attention to. Uh, the next thing, like you said, the Browns, you know, is Deshaun going to play enough? Will he be one of those guys that maybe comes back a little too late in the season when it's when it's too late to really have an impact as far as their playoff hopes are concerned? What are we getting from the Chiefs? What are we getting from the Dolphins? I don't know if you saw that video circulating of Tua trying to throw the deep pass to, to Tyreek. That people been killing to it because he's he underthrew him so bad, you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Tyreek Tyreek tried to come to his defense like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, tripping <laughs> is just a it's just a workout, but like, nah, it ain't a workout. This is this is going to be ongoing news all year. You went from the best quarterback in the NFL to arguably one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So we got to pay attention to it. Uh, the Washington Commanders, that's going to be another interesting situation to pay attention to. And I agree with you. Well, I know. Listen, shout out to the group chat. A lot of people don't like to hear this, but one of the things I, I didn't hear you mention, but you were right on about it, though, when you talked about Sam Howell and why it was such a bad pick. One of the things I wanted to add to that was how are you justifying taking a quarterback with a fifth round pick when you just gave up three picks to get your starting quarterback? 
Like you gave up so much draft capital to get your starting quarterback. I need to replenish those other areas of my team now, not by getting what could be a third string quarterback because Tyler Heineke is still on the roster. So you probably drafted a third string quarterback with the fifth round pick when you probably could have got a little more depth at another position. When, when you need, when you have a gaping hole at linebacker and then draft one. Right. Like I said, you, you could have got more depth at another you position. Right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm going to be paying attention to all that. Uh, for some reason, New Orleans seems to be everyone's hot pick. I don't get it. I know they just signed Jarvis Landry as well, but I, I don't understand all the love that New Orleans is getting. I didn't see it last year. Um, I know what it is. And I, was, I, I think it's that people don't want to admit it, but for me, Jameis Winston is better than people think, man. No, I think Jameis is good. I think Jameis can play some ball, and, and if he's got some guys that's ready to do it around him. You know, he's got weapons around him. Um, You got to wait and see what's going on with Kamara. Did they ever give him a suspension? That has not come down yet. I think Jameis can ball. My only question is, are we sure that there won't be any drop-off from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen? Because Sean Payton kept them in playoff contention last year, despite all the injuries, despite that they really didn't have Michael Thomas all year last year. So unless Dennis Allen is a better head coach than we previously seen, I don't know if they can be much better than they were last year. But that's just me. Um, and with that division with, with, with Tom back, they playing they play for second in the division. Yeah. At the at the very yeah at the very least you're playing for second, you know. Now granted, the division is, is soft as a whole anyway because uh, the Panthers still are the Panthers and they're rolling it out with Sam Darnold, and the Falcons are rolling it out with Marcus Mariota. So, if Deshaun gets four games, if they do give him a four game suspension, as I'm looking at the Brown schedule, they should be okay because they week one. No, no, I'm just going off of, you know, what I expect from these opponents, from what we've seen. Week one, they're at Carolina. That shouldn't be any trouble. Uh, week two, they're at home against the Jets. That's that my sleeper team for trouble. next year. The Jets? That's my sleeper team. Oh, is it? Okay. I like, I like, I, now, I don't, I don't like them in the sense of they're going to make noise to make the playoffs because their division is tough. You got two playoff teams already in the Patriots and Buffalo, and then you got a third team in Miami who's expected to compete for a playoffs. But if you look at how the Jets ended last season, that last month, and now with the, with the draft picks and, and Robert Sala being able to get the defense the way he wants it, I think they're going to be one of them really good teams. They may only win six games, but they're going to be one of those teams that every week they're in the game. Well, week three, you got the Steelers coming in. That's always tough, but who's playing quarterback? Right. Is it Mitch or is it uh, uh, Kenny Pickett? Right. And then week four, they're at Atlanta. Who's playing quarterback down there? Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I, you're the right. First, they, the, they, the first four quarterbacks they face, bro. Uh, yeah. Whoever's starting at Sam Darnold, I guess, in Carolina, right? Uh. Sam, your guy, your guy in for the Jets. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Either Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, and Marcus Mariota. They should be okay with following if they yeah, get four games. If with I the running game and with the defense, they should be okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see any Hall of Famers they got to line up against. So I think they should be all right. Then, um, but, but then, but then the honeymoon's over because because then you got Jay Erbo 
and Derwin James yeah. and Keenan Allen and, and uh, Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson and, and Joey Bosa. And Are you... I. I know there's a tough decision. Then you got them charges coming in. Hold on, I know this. I know there's a tough decision for you, but since it is a game in Cleveland, are you going with your Jay Herbo jersey or are you going with your Lose Forever T-shirt? <laughs> Which one will you be going with to the game? You know what? You know what? I'm a smart dude. You know what I mean? I didn't graduate from college, but I'm a smart dude. The Lose Forever is going to have to stay in the closet because it's in, it is enemy territory, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna rock my colors, but I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disrespect folk, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm gonna keep it respectful, you know, keep it, keep it cool above board. Uh, after the game though, the jersey might, you know what's gonna happen? The jersey gonna come off and the lose forever gonna be up under there and it's gonna be a vicious, I can't wait. I can't, and the seats, the seats are lovely too. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to send you, I'm gonna have to send you a screenshot of, of my, I'm telling you, it's going to be an experience. I'm expecting to see. Uh, I'm expecting to see the squad man up. I'm looking like I'm. I'm. I'm you know, what I'm saying I'm, I'm looking for like a two touchdown win, so I could just cruise for the second half, chill, just, and watch just, and watch just enjoy some beverages. Watch Spiller, just watch Spiller, just run the clock out for the for the rest of the game because that's what just, he's yeah. Here. Just so enjoy some beverages. That's why we drafted that big boy. That big boy that led the SEC in Russia for the last two years and still has 75 receptions. You know what I'm saying? We, we man, I'm not excited about the Chargers or anything. I'm not excited. I'm just <laughs> well. Listen, we did mention Kenny Pickett. We talked about some quarterbacks. Um, you brought up a great idea, and I said let's run with it for a small segment and, and let's just see how it goes. Maybe we'll do more of these as well. But Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback taken in this year's first round. That's the first time it had happened since 2013. So as you mentioned, let's look back, let's reflect on what we saw in 2013, what we know about that draft now that we're a full nine years removed from it, and kind of go back and revisit not only some of the picks, but some of the grades that were given out. So, Will, I'll let you kick it off. Do you want to do, like, questionable picks? Do you want to do grades? Where, where do you want to start off with this draft? I think I, I, wanna, I really want to start off at the quarterbacks. All right. So because it was only one taken in the first round. Exactly. We had one quarterback taken in the first round um, of the 2013 draft, and the only other time in recent years that that's happened was this current season with, uh, like you said, Kenny Pickett going to the Pittsburgh Steelers at, I believe, what was it, 20? Yep, 20 right at 20. So back in 2013, the first quarterback you saw come off the board was at 16 when the Buffalo Bills selected uh, EJ Manuel. Yep. Sec second quarterback didn't come off the board until uh, second round, 39th pick overall. Uh, the great Geno Smith. <laughs> the third quarterback to come off, I'm going to go through just the quarterback. Uh, third round, 73rd overall, Mike Glennon. It's just getting uglier and uglier. Oh, it, hey. These, these, it's, these are dime pieces compared to where I'm about to go. Fourth, 98th overall, Matt Barkley. Also in the fourth round, 110 overall, Ryan Nassif. Also in the fourth round, two picks later, Tyler Wilson. 
I don't know if Tyler Wilson was an NFL quarterback or I don't think he ever played a, a down. manager at my local subway. Yeah, I, I, I think he's uh he's a line cook somewhere now. Yeah, yeah. Three picks later. Oh, people going it was a run on quarterbacks from a from ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> it was a run on them. Uh three picks later. Now this is probably one of the more notable names in that draft because of his quarterback uh because of his uh college career. At 115 overall, Pittsburgh selected Landry Jones. Then you got four more guys to go. 221, all in the seventh round. Brad Sorenswin, Jack Dissert, B.J. Daniels, Sean Renfrey. The best, statistically, the best quarterback of the 2013 draft was Mike Glennon, who in his career has thrown... 1147 passes completed 689 of them for 7025 yards with 47 touchdowns 30 to 35 interceptions and he started on about five different teams yeah he exactly and he started as a rookie for the bucks yeah now when you look at the he was the third quarterback selected and he is the shining star of that draft but we would all agree he's at best at best, a spot starter, backup quarterback that you don't is, want. Is that, is that what the command? Is that what the commanders are hoping for with Sam Howell? Yo, is this what they? This he, what they he have was to. The, what, how many quarterbacks went in front of him? Four or five? Four, I thought before Sam. Four. So when I'm okay, so let's say he so he was the fifth quarterback. Let's just say for argument's sake, let's go down five on this list here: EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, Mike Lennon, Matt Barkley. And then Ryan Nassib. So let's see what Ryan Nassib did and hit with his. I don't uh, think I think Ryan Nassib played in mop up duty for the Giants. I don't think he ever started a game. That's he, just off the top I of my see, head. I see zero starts. He attempted ten passes in the post. Ryan Nassib is a ninety percent uh, completion. Percent. <laughs> he went nine of ten in the thirty point here. blowout. According to my numbers, he in his career, he was nine for ten for 128 yards and a touchdown with no interceptions. Wow. He played in mop-up duty. I mean that's... I mean, yeah, that's but wow, that's but that's what you get is a Ryan when you're in a in a quarterback starved league, quarterbacks don't fall. You know what I'm Not saying? They, they're overdrafted. They're not underdrafted. They're Correct. overdrafted. Um, I think that's the most interesting thing is when you look at the quarterback comparison from 2013 to now, you got to – I don't see anybody – I like I see maybe Kenny Pickett being another Mike Glennon. I don't see a starter anywhere in this draft. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to kick it off with that quarterback. What you got for me? I like that. Uh, I also think one of the other similarities we saw, um, the 2013 draft was really about building from within the trenches. Uh, Three of the first four picks were all tackles, offensive tackles. Um, Two of the other five picks were defensive ends. The first, you know, the first skill position player wasn't taken until number eight, which was Tavon Austin. Um, But, right, it was a mistake, especially, again, if you go a little further down, um, I believe Hopkins went, where Hopkins went late, in that yeah, first round. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Hopkins, uh, was I was there. trying to find exactly what number Hopkins. Oh, Hopkins went 27. Yeah. So, you know, they missed out an opportunity there. But similar yeah, to this year's game. draft, where we saw early on, you know, the run on defensive players and building within the trenches, we kind of saw the same thing there as well, um, which speaks to your point that normally if there is a good enough quarterback, you overdraft, you, you'll take them. If not, you're going to take the best available player that you can see there. But some of the mistakes that were made here, too, were just like, it's crazy to look at now. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals had 10 picks in this draft. I think only one of them actually was on their roster after that after that first year, which was Tyler Eifert, their first-round pick. The other guys they drafted, I don't think none of those guys stood on their, on their team beyond a year or two. You're right. And and the segue what you saying Tyler Eifert was their number one pick, 21st overall. Guess who was the fifth tight end taken in that draft? The fifth tight end taken. Uh, was it Kelsey? Because I know Kelsey went in the third round. Kelsey, right? Yeah. The the he third round of this draft is actually where it gets really good. Gavin, Dallas, the Cowboy, hey, Cowboy fans, are y'all listening? Y'all felt like you needed a tight end, so you drafted in the second round at 47 overall. Gavin Escobar. <laughs> a great run blocker. Great run blocker, by and, the way. And you had tight ends like Travis was sitting there. Jordan Reed was still sitting there. But, but hey, uh, Gavin Escobar was your selection. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, 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 third round, the third round of this draft was actually pretty good because um, Travis Kelsey went. Uh, Larry Warford, who was a longtime guard in the league. Um, Teron Matthew was in the third round. Keenan Allen was in the third round. When you look at the receivers, um, now, like we both said, Tavon Austin was definitely a mistake right. at 10. But but uh, D-Hop was the second receiver taken off the board in that draft. He was taken uh, 27 27. There were some there's some notable names that receiver taken in that draft. Uh, Cordero Patterson, who mm-hmm. now is making more of a name for himself as a dual threat, was was just, was taking two selections later after Hopkins. But you had Robert Woods go uh, 41 overall. Uh, you had Terrence Williams, like you said, go 74. Keenan Allen go 76. Marquise Goodman, who's now making a name for himself, uh, 78. Um, you got had guys that did a little bit like Marcus Wheaton had a little bit did a little bit of noise in Pittsburgh at 79. You had uh, Kenny Stills who's still trying to hang on the rosters at mm-hmm. uh, 144. So there was there was some receivers. Um, yeah, in that there was some receivers. Still holding on. At the time, we thought Buffalo actually did pretty well for themselves. Obviously, you talked about they took EJ at 16, but they had got Robert Woods in the second round and they got Marquise uh, Godwin in the third round. So at the time, we thought, oh, this is a good draft for them. They got a lot of speed at the outside. Robert Woods obviously never really developed there because they just didn't have the quarterback play. Robert Woods came into his own out in L.A. when he got with a better offense and a better quarterback. Exactly. So the one of the highlights, and it started in the second Second round actually had some really good talent, too, because you went through a stretch there. Three straight picks back-to-back. You had Zach Ertz. Darius Slade, Giovanni Bernard, all really good players. Obviously, Darius Slade, Zach Ertz played at a high level, but Giovanni Bernard had a couple thousand yard years. Good running back, still in Tampa Bay. But then you got Manti Tail at 38. Yeah. Uh, that was a little, that was a, a, a misstep by the Chargers there yeah. at that point. 
Um, they had a spot at linebacker. It was his job to lose too, but I I probably wouldn't have drafted him just off of the whole fake girlfriend scandal. I agree, Maybe and I, it's crazy I, now I like looking you. back on it. <laughs> looking back on it, I mean, I know he was very good at Notre Dame, so him dropping into the second round felt like great value. But if you go down, not even ten picks, you had. Kevin Minter, who's a good linebacker. Kiko Alonso is a good linebacker. But one of the guys who really stuck out to me that drops in the second round is Jamie Collins. He went all the way to 52. Yeah, and he was... He had a great career. Yeah, um, he had... You know, before before Bill traded him, he, he was a high-impact guy for New England. Yeah. I had really liked Jonathan Bostic, too, at the time, because he was super fast, but he couldn't stay on the field. Chicago, I drafted him at 50. He um he's trash. <laughs> like he's like he. I mean he he's been in Washington the last couple of years. Yeah, and he's the reason why. Like I said, remember when we were talking about them taking a quarterback in the fifth round and not a linebacker. He's one of the reasons why they need a linebacker because right. he's one of their linebackers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying right. he's one of the reasons they need one. But yeah, that like you said, the second round. It was some very recognizable names with, you know, like you said, Ertz and Darius Slade, Geo and uh, Robert Woods, and uh, we, neither one of us mentioned uh, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, Le'Veon was in the second round as well. Forty-eight, and yeah, he went forty-eight after uh, Geo Bernard, but Le'Veon had a bigger impact at a shorter time. But Geo's still out here clocking checks. He's still yeah. out here um, making impact. So now nah, this this draft is actually. Looking back at it, it's, it's, it's pretty deep because I'm looking back now, even in the sixth round, the Raiders were able to get Latavius Murray. Latavius had a really good run with Oakland. Um, I mean, the running backs were pretty solid in this yeah. draft. For sure. Like, backs, I mean, the... Micah Hyde went in the fifth round of this draft. Yeah. Micah Hyde is, is a Pro Bowl safety now in, in Buffalo, but at the time, Green Bay had selected him. Um, but yeah, there, there was some really good value. And maybe that might be the the overall comparison that we get from the 2013 draft in comparison to the 2022 draft. Yeah, yeah. That is really good depth. It, it's it's never going to be, at least I don't think it will be, uh, known as a quarterback draft. But when you look at the skill position guys that teams have been able to get in the second, third, and fourth round in the 2013 draft, I think that correlates to what we saw in 2022. Yeah, that's why I thought this was a good draft to you know to look back at um, compared to where. All right now, um, you know, to where we can kind of project forward with this draft, looking back at this one, you know what I mean, seeing how it's going to shake out. Um, but I, yeah, I think we should, like, you know, throughout the summer, that'd be a good idea. Take a look at some old drafts, you know, we can go 2014, Who? 2015, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, we're we going to rotate it. We're going to find another draft to get into. I want two answers from you. Who was your... Who you just we'll, we'll focus on first round. Who was the biggest bust to you, and who was your favorite player at the time? Um, uh, as to where they got drafted, biggest bust. Hmm. Man, I look at the top 10. And I'm going to have to say Tavon Austin because the first receiver coming off the board is supposed to be a guy that's like a name that's, 
you know, a household name, especially at receiver. That's supposed to be a, you know, a, a, a just a, a guy that is more than a kick returner. And that's pretty much all he ended up being was a kick returner and a, a, a slot gimmick type type receiver. And when you could have, if you thought you needed a receiver, you could have had Hopkins there, who's arguably got the best hands ever. You know what I mean? That's that's a bust. You you don't you do not draft kick returners in the top ten, and they drafted one at number eight overall. And there was a lot, a lot of receivers that you could have taken instead of him. I'm gonna say in the first because the other guys when you look at names like uh, Bjorn Werner, defensive end, 24th overall. He was a bust. I could call him a bust, but I wouldn't know because I I don't you know what I'm saying. He was a bust. Trust me. I could have took him out of a lineup. Was he a bust? He was terrible. He was a dude who was super athletic. I remember him at Florida State. He was super athletic. He was a guy that was super raw. I I don't even know. I'll be surprised if he even has 10 career NFL sacks. He bounced around for a little bit, but he could never really crack the rotation with the Colts. He was he was he was bad. But when you consider where he was traded, I mean where he was drafted, they gambled on, on athleticism. So who's the tone Jones? Who went? Who went? The very who went twenty six defensive end to the Packers. Detone Jones. D a t o n e. Maybe yeah, I see him. Uh, I I definitely couldn't pick him out of the lineup. I think so. For me, for me, the biggest bust. I I go top ten. There's a couple because Barcavius Mingo was trash, but. I think Deion Jordan was even worse. Deion Jordan ball because they traded up to they traded up to three. You're right. Deion right. Jordan. Everybody say he gonna be the next Dwight Freeney. They kept showing all them highlights from Oregon. That dude was trash. Yeah, you're right. He was just he was he was. I remember he was real slim. Yeah, he had he, had, he didn't have the weight for the position. He was all. undersized, and that's why they kept thinking he was gonna be like Dwight Freeney that he could just use his athleticism, but he was trash. And the one player I remember I liked a lot, and I didn't understand why he dropped. When he made it to the league, he wasn't a high-impact guy. Alec Ogletree, the the middle linebacker at the same at the time oh, they were the same Rams. as Rams. Oh, the Rams. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I liked nice him coming career, out of Georgia. Though. He had a nice little career. Yeah, he had a decent career. It never materialized what I played. thought he was How many years he played? He, he probably, like play, he probably got a good like six, seven nine. years under his belt. I was... Oh, six or seven, that's it? Okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was more like 10. I remember him being around, though. Sure. Yeah. He, he started for a long time in the league. But he was a dude that I was like, yo, he should easily go in the top 20. I really liked him, and it didn't work out for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way it goes sometimes. It man, does. We're going to do this again, though. I like this one, man. Yeah, we're going yeah. to do another retroactive. Maybe we'll do the NBA on the next one. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's that's when it gets real. But ugly. but 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 we won't do Kwame's draft because you know Kwame's sensitive. We don't want to do Kwame's draft. <laughs> I'll be honest, you know. But nah nah. Well, any before we wrap, I know Game Six is underway right now. Uh, Celtics are up eight uh, early in the second quarter. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I can't wait for Game Seven of Dallas and Phoenix, man. I really, I want to see Chris Paul lose. I, I just, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sorry. I do not like Chris Paul. Any dude that 
does what he does on the court. And then, you know, we always talk about it. You Something is wrong with you, man. Something is not right. And you keep, like, I don't know how you, I don't know how you have 3,000 State Farm commercials when you run around. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, you when you run around like a bratty, uh, a bratty toddler just punching everybody in the midsection. <laughs> I don't get it. Especially, oh, man. especially I, in this I don't get how you can how you can get away with that. With, with the nether I, I, listen, I agree, I, and I'm surprised that there hasn't been one player who just said, "Yo, fuck the fine." I'm just going. I'm I'm snuffling. Yeah, and, and, and but you know who would do it. It's Luca. <laughs> Maybe. You know what I'm saying? I, I, listen, I, I think Phoenix is going to win game seven, but I, I really hope Luca puts a scare in them and keeps it close. And if Luca pulls it out, then, then go for it. You want but Phoenix to win? I think Phoenix Golden State would be a better series than Golden State Dallas. Mm. But again, I wouldn't mind seeing Luca on that stage either, though. I wouldn't mind seeing Luca go toe to toe against Steph and the Warriors. I'd rather see Luca because Chris Paul, what year is this for him? This He's people 37, 36, 37 years old. Yeah. That's enough, that's enough man. <laughs> Bring the rooms out. Come on. Get, 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 yeah, it's time, that, for the, it's time for the youngest, man. I'm 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 liking seeing this young talent. I, you hey. see the NBA, the ratings have been very high too. The, the NBA has not suffered a LeBron list. We talked uh, about that issue you know what i'm saying they the nba is actually thriving right now and thank you luca thank you ja thank you uh golden state thank you uh Giannis. you the league is in good the league is in such good shape remember last year at the end of the season we said that was my fight that was my closing thought when the league when the league wrapped last year the league is in such good shape and now we're seeing the fruits of that and it's just beautiful to be an nba fan right now Absolutely. I, I think the league is in great shape. Uh, that's well said by you. I'm just curious to know that if whoever wins the NBA championship this year, will they celebrate and cry as hard as Pat Bev did when the T-Wolves won the playing game? When they won the play? Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, when hey, they put if the... You if you can't enjoy your, if you can't enjoy things like Pat Bev did that day, man, then you doing life wrong, man. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I'm just saying, when they put the one shot and moment music on it, that, that took it to the next level. Yeah, right there. The <laughs> that took it to the next level. Yeah, Yo, that was we, we, gonna, we gonna wrap on that note, man. Enjoy the games. We appreciate everybody who's tuning into the podcast. This is a two-parter, so you're gonna see two episodes up, man. But for my main man, Will Gordon, I am Eric Sanchez. We'll see you guys next week. We out of here. Peace.